Hey everybody, talkingbook.pub is a non-profit audiobook publisher of independent literature. We are located in Asheville, North Carolina, and because we are a non-profit, uh, donations and help from people like you who love these books and love these recordings really helps a lot. So if you want to get involved, donate to our Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash talkingbook, or go to our website, talkingbook.pub, and read about our mission, send us an email, give us a call, whatever you want to do. But enjoy the episode. Thank you. Hey, everybody. <clears throat> Gotta clear my throat. Uh, the Talking Book Podcast, that's what this is. My name is Chris Hartram, sitting in Asheville, North Carolina. And, uh, and I'll be honest with you, it's, it's been a... Been a tough, tough couple of days. I got a bunch of sick kids. Not much is being done in the way of productivity. Not much writing. Not much uh, audiobook recording. And that is the very reason why I'm going to play for you a classic episode um, that you should have heard if you haven't. And if you have listened to it again, it's the very first episode we ever did with the uh, with the great Scott McClanahan, who wrote the Sarah book from Tyrant Books. And this is actually the first episode we ever did. And Scott came to visit us from West Virginia, and he hung out, and we recorded the whole book in our studio, me, Dave, and Scott. And uh, Scott did a fantastic job, and then right as he was leaving with his dog, we had this little setup, some shitty uh, USB mics and, and laptops, and so we decided to record a conversation, and that became the uh, the first episode of the podcast. Um, I probably say dumb stuff. I was pretty nervous. Scott says a lot of cool and smart stuff, I remember, but, uh, but yeah, listen to this old chat. Um, think about the, you know, the rich, rich history of the podcast and then go get, uh, go get the Sarah book by Scott McClanahan. Um, you can get the print from Tyrant Books. You can get the audio book from us, uh, narrated by the author. It's fantastic. My favorite thing in the whole world. Scott, thanks again. And, uh, here's our old conversation. Where did you, uh, I know you said earlier when we were eating burgers that you uh, you uh, had a master's degree. Where'd you go to college? I went, to, I got a, my bachelor's from Concord, uh, which is in, which is like the, what would, they would have called like a normal school in the 19th century. Yeah. But it became, it's, it was a teacher's school, uh-huh. you know, teach but like poor hillbilly kids. Sure. How to go in and teach other poor hillbilly kids. Um, but um, yeah, I went there and Concord was amazing. Like, I mean, it was amazing. Uh, the professors I had were just, there was something else. Like I had Dr. David Bard, who graduated from the you know, University of Michigan. Mm-hmm. I went to the War College. He was a history teacher. Yeah. Knew James McPherson. He'd tell you stories. You know, he's like, well, last week I was with James McPherson and I said, Jimmy, how do you write such masterpieces? And Jimmy looked at me and said, Dr. Bard. How do you dedicate your lives to your students? You know, shit like that. Right. <laughs> you're, you're a teacher now, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. teach. And how long you been teaching there? You mm. teach at, uh, what is the name of yeah, it? Yeah, uh, maybe we shouldn't even say. Shouldn't say. Um, sure. Yeah, yeah it's, it's like a little community <laughs> technical college. I've been there, I think it's 13 years now, I believe. Yeah, teaching is like a weird profession. It's like. Do um, you like it? I mean, I guess you. Oh, I think I'm a bit burnt out. It's one of those things that's fascinating because, you know, like all there's like a link between rock stars like Mick Jagger's father was a teacher. Like 
there's a link between dictators, like you know, or just think LBJ uh-huh. was a teacher, you know, uh, uh, Chairman Mao was a librarian, um, you know, all of this of telling somebody to do something and right. then they fucking do it. Like right. that's what's so or else. And that's what's so strange. You know, I'm in a class with people who are, you know, physically stronger than I am and intellectually, you know, more developed than I am, but I tell them to take out a sheet of paper and they take out a sheet of right. paper. And, <laughs> um, and I think that the I think that, you know, it's interesting that way. It's interesting that way. But yeah, I think I don't know. It's 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 a lot of I think I've got a bit blurred out with it at Subways. So once, uh, but it's been a, I mean, it's been a great job to have. Right. I always hate when writers go on and on about getting paid for their writing and all that crap. It's like, get a job. Get a guy. Get a job, you job. dirty hippie. <laughs> Contributing <laughs> to society yeah, in some that's, way. That's right. Well, so when I, uh, you know, after Dave and I convince you to move to Asheville. So, <laughs> then yeah. you can run that line back at me right. when I'm unemployed. Yeah, exactly. So, I just want to. I just want to deal with my art. I want to push my art forward, and I can't do that if I'm unemployed. Was, yeah, Late stage capitalism. That's the reason why you're saying that. <laughs> So do well, I want to say one more thing about late stage capitalism. All matter. Isn't it amazing? That's what I was thinking about looking back to these. You know, people used to die of diarrhea. Right. They still do in certain Dave parts. Almost in certain parts yeah. in certain parts of the world. You know, isn't it amazing that you can order something online? This little piece of shit, right? right. And it'll appear at your door. In a day or two. In a drone. And you can in a drone. Can you imagine how your great 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 grandmother would have fucking spit in your face with the complaints that you have uh, about your life at this at this point in time? Right. Yeah. If you make twenty thousand dollars in the world economy, you are of the one percent. That's insane. Uh That's insane to 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 think about. So last night I was bitching about my brand new couch from West Elm because I thought that it wasn't comfortable enough. I was <laughs> yeah. literally just doing yeah. that. Yeah. And the very mm-hmm. art forms that we have are in some ways like kind of outgrowths of fucking capitalism. You know, like the concept of leisure time in the 19th century. That's when the novel explodes. Yeah. And I just, but anyway. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, having, but I'm a communist. Yeah, having said that, so <laughs> we, know, we know Scott's <laughs> a communist, but going back to the, the, the working thing. So if, if, you know, if I were going to ask you a, um, a question like, oh, do you ever want to, you know, just uh, try to make enough money just writing? Do you want to do that? Or would you rather keep a job? I'd rather keep a job. You think so? Yeah, and I think maybe we've mentioned that the first time I was down here. Just like, there's a great one. Nada Adler, you know, wrote Speedboat interview where she's like, you know, being a professional writer is nothing but a fucking trap. Right. You know, you start going down to, you know, feed yourself. You start agreeing to do shit that you'd never agree to do. Mm-hmm. Everything I've done, I've done because I wanted to do it. Right. You know, mm-hmm. I might complain about it, right? In a real kind of self-pity sort of bullshit. But, you know, I've had the, at least the control of of being able to being able to do that. I mean, I don't see where people like get their stories, like who are just I think it kind of shows in some ways in people's work. Right. When they when they don't have some sort of connection to to the out to the outside world. At least uh-huh. it always is yeah, always like, what, what, the hell, what the hell are they writing like, about at that oh, point? Oh, and also yeah. like, you know, you're boring as hell. Like yeah. maybe that's the reason why this piece here is boring as hell. Right. Um so yeah, I've always I've always liked having a job. I mean people talk about that that old it's it's a tired conversation now, but the the criticism of like MFA is yeah, like, yeah. go out there yeah. and, you know, yeah. do something. Exactly. Well, it, well I think it's like kind of a dumb sort of conversation too. Right. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, they're great writers who are in MFA totally. programs, and they're great. Sides, it's like the yeah. difference between like indie lit and like you know the big five or you know the you know the big publishers. They publish a lot of shit, but you know what? There's a lot of shit published in indie lit too. Totally, yeah. um, probably just about as much shit's being published mm-hmm. in independent literature as uh, you know any from the big publishers. Right. So you know. Well, I shouldn't have got all political there. No, you should. With my cap, with my, more, with my, with my hey, capitalism, get, with my capitalism rant, right? <laughs> well, uh, talking about uh, the Sarah book, which is why, why you're here, um, and you said, you know, writing stuff because you want to write it. How long have you been writing that book, and what made you originally oh, want to write it? Maybe I'm like contradicting myself. I don't know if I'm. What's the Sarah book if I did it? Because I was like had a contract and and it was published. It was like, oh shit, I need to, I need to, yeah, I need to write a book. Um, But it's a long time in the making. Yeah, there was like a chapter that appeared in a book of short stories of mine in like 2009. Which one was that? Uh, Stories 5. And it was a chapter that doesn't exist in the book. I published so many chapters from that book online like people would ask me for something it's like sure i'll give you a chapter in the sarah book right and the don't even exist <laughs> don't even yeah. exist in the book like aren't even close to to what exists in the book there was like a draft of some sort completed finally in 2014 but there was even a draft before that I went through this weird period where i was i read a bunch of nicholas sparks novels because I decided, like, if I read Nicholas Sparks, I can figure out how I can make this a hit and right. do something really interesting with it. <laughs> That's a fun choice, Nicholas Sparks. And then you read, like, that. one Nicholas Sparks novel. You read one of them. You read them all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, He's a Carolina boy, I think. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, I think he is, yeah, isn't I think he? So. And, um, and so I had that, which just sounds like alcoholism and drug abuse <laughs> to me, like that idea. And, um, and so then there was a draft in 2014. Then there was another draft in the spring of 2015. Then another, like, I don't even think that there's anything in the book from those drafts that, oh, that really? look like survive. Uh-huh. Yeah, I don't think there's a word. Because I brought that up to you before. I remember yeah. way back in the day before we were going to even, you know, thought about recording this book. There was like a yellow cover. Yeah, yeah. That was black that, Gene did that as a mock-up. See, I think it was, in, <laughs> I think Gene had it in like the fucking consortium catalog even. Right. As maybe early as 2013. I know as early as 2015 it was in the catalog. As, right. As, as, so ready what, to, as, as you ready if, to come out. Well, then what was the, if you were going to just, you know, come up with a, a really rough date, you know, since what year had you been mm. working on this? I mean, yeah, I mean, I was working steady on it. It just kept changing. It just, like, kept changing. Right. I remember being, like, because I would wake up in the morning and I'd just like get hammered and I'd sit at my desk and I would listen to songs. At that time I had like a CD player and I'd listen to songs and I would write. I did that for a year. So that would have been late 2012, 2013 that I was doing that. Right. Um, probably like the as of now, the way it works, like I think I had the book in the spring of 2015. Like the book was there. The book was there. Yeah. The and I remember you there. said... Uh, when we were at the diner the other day that it was it was kind of the first book you had written sober. Yeah, exactly. I mean, part of it, you know, kind of written drunk, but part of it kind of written sober, though, or at least what you get is kind of the sober book. I, think, I don't want to admit that, but I think, you know, you have like a horrible, as much as I want to say that that doesn't matter, like I always had like 
I don't know, even kind of Iggy and the Stooges getting back together, it's like, it's just like sad and pathetic. Right, they're all sober. It's like so sad. Right. Um, Or, I don't know, Johnny Laden doing butter commercials in England. Like, there's like, (laughs) there's always like something that I just, you know, you don't want to think that you think that cliched stereotype of like the romantic poets of, you know, England, but, but yeah, yeah, you, you still have that present. And, um, and so I think maybe that took me longer to get over than even writing a book. Mm-hmm. I think also, too, I wanted to write like a, a very different book than what I wound up with. Right. Like I think I wound up with something that's very different from what I originally started with. I wanted it to be more like, you know, Crapalachia work of sideways. Right. Doesn't, you know, like crap, you know, I don't know. It's right there. Yeah. That book, like there, there's a first half to it. There's not even a second half. Like it's yeah. just a bunch of shit thrown together. Sure. This sort of fucking works. Right, definitely. Uh, works. And I was like fascinated by that charge of like things bouncing up against one another uh in a very kind of unusual way. And of course G and E didn't like he didn't like any of that stuff. So, you know, we all that stuff got ripped out and Well, I was gonna ask you, was it you know, uh was it Jan, your editor, who was definitely instrumental in saying, like, let's go something oh, more yeah, direct? Yeah, more yeah. And that's what I think, I guess, was, you know, the positives of, I don't think there's another, like, I don't know. I mean, I don't have, but other editors working with writers, like, there's not a probably more intense, like, closer sort of, an editor spending time with your manuscript than what I've got, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure even, like, you know, Big writers on big presses probably don't have the same sort of relationship to their to their editor. You know, you pass through it once, you pass through it twice, and then right. it's published or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Sarah book's always been like kind of almost like a weird battle of wills, and uh, between in, you and him? in some ways, yeah, yeah. On, on like you know, I guess on a real tender sort of sort of level of you know like what's going to work and what's what's not going to. Uh, what's not going to work and, and the balance, you know, and the balance of that, what you want in there. And then, you know, what, what Gian thinks will, will work. Right. Cause I think I know what the type of writing Gian likes. I think I can do that. What do you think it will, what Pretty, how would you oh, describe you know, it? Uh, you know, there's a, there's a toughness, uh, you know, the sentences kind of pristine, yeah. Uh, but not showy. Um, kind of uh, minimalist. Yeah. Kind of like. A certain element of kind of, you know, minimalism to, you know, of taking, for instance, like in, you know, doing the book, like, and uh, uh, the thought of most invisible thing of all, period. Like, that's a G in edit, mm-hmm. you know, because I had love afterwards, right, right. at the end of the chapter. Um, and, yeah, just, you know, were these little brilliant little, you know, editing uh, right. tricks that, you know, incorporates. So, by that uh, logic, there was the Sarah book much longer? Before, yeah. Oh, yeah. man, we've had so many messes. Like, it's been so many different books. Like, right. it's been a mess. Like, I, there was even one draft where I killed Sarah off. No like shit. A, like a Nicholas Sparks novel. <laughs> so, it, like, it definitely yeah, did it not became, total Yeah, fiction. it became, like, it became meta. Like, you right. know, and, and, then, and then, of course, you come back and she didn't die. That's just the book, right? Oh, yeah. She's uh, she's alive. So, yeah, I mean, it had a lot more, a lot more stuff like that. Wow. It, it kind of seems such insane. a different book, right? Yeah, yeah, it sort of seems insane now as I like, uh, as I like say it out loud. There was more pictures. There was more like hospital stuff in it. Um, uh, there was more like, uh, even here recently, you know, we've just edited out some of the, some of the direct, you know, um, uh, kind of references to the reader just mm-hmm. within the past, you know, six months. Some of those have, some wow. of those have gone. 
Uh, so there was a lot more of that. Because, I mean, Gene, and maybe I've said this before, too, but, like, Gene believes, like, reading's, um, you know, like a drug experience, right? Like, you enter into it, and you don't break those those walls of that world that uh, that you've uh, created. And right. in some ways, I've kind of been the, ex- I've always kind of been the exact opposite, uh, though, though, too, you know, where it's like, no, you, you do kind of break, you break those all, all the time. Uh, but I'm, I'm happy with what we have. Like, I think even like reading back through it, it's like, it's like probably pound for pound. Like, it's the best thing that I've done. You, you feel know? that way? Yeah, it is. And maybe to the point that there's elements of it that are like, unreadable <laughs> for you yeah you or, well maybe for readers in some ways yeah. like i, well, I think there's like an honesty to it. yeah there's an honesty and there's a there's a gravity and in certain places i guess also uh a levity but at the same time i've never cared about like you know trendy subject matter you know i wrote a book about my grandma right <laughs> i mean that's like a cliche of english 101 isn't it? you have your bone jelly yeah, that's her bone. Okay, keep doing that. And um, and I wrote a book about, you know, getting molested as a kid in Hill William. You know, like that's, again, really bad English 101 essay right. shit. Yeah. And now I'm writing a book about somebody, like a marriage breaking up. Like, is there right. is there a more, you know, stereotypical sort of literary uh, subject matter? Um, so, yeah, I mean, yeah. But at the same time, yeah, I feel like. You know, the second part, I'd like to work more on it, take something out or tinker with it in some ways. But, you know, the, the first part kind of builds to something and then drops you off. And I think the third part has a has a little engine in it, too, that uh, mm-hmm. especially the third part has an engine in it that I don't necessarily understand how we did. But it but it's there. So, well, I obviously love the book um, and you just got done, you know, over the course of a couple of weekends reading it all the way through aloud. And when you said that it's it can it, maybe it would be hard for somebody to read or it's it's pretty pretty yeah, intense it's a you, intense book yeah, it's yeah. Not, i don't know if it's gonna if somebody's mom's gonna be going out and i would like the sarah book please under <laughs> <laughs> the local, the the local book? bookstore man I mean, like, this is a, a feel good well my mom like her which i think is a wonderful like criticism her criticism of that sometimes it's like Life's bad enough. I don't want to feel bad because of a movie, you know, uh, which I think is incredibly honest and valid, you know. Um, some of the greatest films ever made have been escapist type films as their purpose. Uh, but yeah, I've never, never well, done that. With it's the, funny you said that just today I was talking to somebody who, so, you know, you're narrating it and Dave's the sound engineer. Yeah. And we're also sending the audio to somebody to check it every mm-hmm. night so that the next day in case there was a mistake yeah, yeah. today i spoke with him it's ben you know yeah, and yeah. he was like man that's a dark story yeah <laughs> like, i can tell he was like kind that's of rattled right. i know yeah, yeah it's true yeah, yeah it's true yeah. it's true yeah <laughs> yeah it's funny because i mean I, I had never met you in real life and i read obviously some of your stuff and i read the sarah book and i was I was kind of, you know, wasn't sure what to expect yeah, when you were coming yeah, here. I was yeah. like, I guess, you know, I guess hide the gin or, yeah. or like, what, <laughs> yeah, I'm not, you know, that's right. But, yeah, but, so, but to me, I mean, it couldn't be more different. You're yeah, like, yeah, big sweetheart. So, yeah, it's, yeah, it's weird, know. isn't it? Like the personas of people that, yeah, that get kind of, yeah, they get kind of packaged and sold, even on like, you know, ridiculous sort of like indie level, you know, because I don't know, shoot, you know, 50 people. I don't know how much any lit, you know, 100 people like kind well, of don't care about people. that. Um, but yeah, the way the way things are, yeah, the way things are kind of packaged and interviews I've done. 
Yeah, it's like, why did I do that? Right. It's like, that's stupid. <laughs> like, I was on C-SPAN. Right I was on C-SPAN. Were you? Yeah. Because of a flood? At the Southern Festival of Books. <laughs> okay. And uh, and I, like, decided it would be a good idea to take a bunch of Robitussin before. So I'm, like, out of my mind on C-SPAN. You can watch the video. Hell yeah. And just stupid, stu- stupid stuff like that. Uh, well, I was sick at the time, too, during the Southern Which Festival Which was Robitussin? Cough? Yeah, right. it's like, oh, like yeah, yeah, so yeah, you yeah. like drink a whole bottle of it, you feel, right. you know, feel real weird. I forgot about that, yeah. Like things like kind of move, like your body. I don't even know how to even explain the high. It's kind of a weird high. Right. Like you feel like you're, like you put your leg down, but like your leg hasn't been put down yet. <laughs> like it's like that. Like, it's not an enjoyable high. It's like the right. stupidest high that you can, that you can imagine. That's, I mean, I still feel and that way whenever go, I smoke weed. I'm like, oh, I'm fucked up, but I don't like the way I'm fucked up Yeah. Right now. yeah. There was also an over-the-counter sleep medicine, too. Not even Tylenol PM because like, you can't take it because of the acetaminophen, but you can get it without the acetaminophen in it like an Advil PM. And, like, if you take enough of that, I can remember, like, going and, like, like you urinate after you take a bunch of it. And um, you, uh, you just feel like you're, like, peeing forever. Like, it's like you're there for, like, 10 minutes, and you're still peeing. But, like, it's probably only been, you know, 15 seconds that you've been that you've been standing there. So, yeah, really stupid, stupid over-the-counter highs that aren't fun and aren't fun at all. So, I know that you're, uh, you're, you don't really, I don't know what to say. What's the language? You're sober now. <laughs> you don't right, do that right. anymore. It's always like, like you're yeah. clean now. It's like, well, I was yeah. never yeah. dirty, yeah. right? Yeah. I was yeah. never dirty, motherfucker. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so how long has it been since you you would stop, let's say, robo-tripping on C-SPAN? For example? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, that's been years now. Right, yeah. Like, I think I was, I think I was better to the point where, I think I was better by, well, when Julia, once we get married. So like 2000. 14, early 2014, I was, I think I was pretty good to go. Mm-hmm. I think I was pretty good to go. And so, yeah, I mean, it's one of those things where it's just like, I don't think it like works for me anymore. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because no, I was great sense. drunk. You know, I was like a fucking great fucking drunk. I wasn't like one of those drunks that was depressing to be around. I was, like, mm-hmm. I was fucking fun. Like, you want to go to the gas station and tape me acting like a bunny rabbit? Right. right. <laughs> like, that's, that's who I was. And I used it as like, I used alcohol as like, uh, like a religious experience. I remember what you were saying. You know, that you know, like I used it. Like, there's a great Peter O'Toole quote, you know, and they're asking him like, do you do drugs? And he's like, no. He's like, I have the most seductive, most wonderful high imaginal alcohol, right? Uh, and there is like something so amazing about that particular high that's so different with like other like other things like shutting you down. I always felt like more alive because mm-hmm. because of it. And I would sit in the evenings uh, in the basement and I would I would drink and I would have my notebook in front of me and I would have a million ideas that would pop onto the page that I could. When I wasn't drunk, you know, the next day I could kind of pick apart and and right. use uh, and use for myself. So yeah, man, it was always it was always a good time. It was a good time till till it wasn't till it wasn't a good time, right? Uh, anymore. It's kind of like the classic, uh, you know, right drunk at it sober thing. Yeah, right? you know, yeah. all the ideas, the yeah. flowing, the free flowing, yeah. and the next day. Like, I think I was just having like mental health problems more than like drunk problems, right? Because I've never, like, I was finally diagnosed and 
uh, it's like bipolar, bisexual, just like that. It never happened. And I knew what my issue was like right. from like the age of fucking 18, you know, but I'd never done anything about it. Right. Um, and then once that got solved, which meant like they put me on a medicine, allow me to sleep. Like I realized like I had not slept for like decades. Right. You know, real deal sleep. Um, so yeah, maybe, maybe that was more even my problem than, than anything else, but just brain shit. And then you add alcohol on top of that. And yeah. It, uh, yeah. And it just does something, you know? Well, let's say, you know, that's Scott and now Scott who, you know, not drinking as much and, you know, yeah, sleeping yeah, much better. Yeah, yeah. You see the, the, the writing has changed at all at all. Yeah. I think I don't care about anything now. Interesting. I think I have like, meaning that like, I think this seems so stupid. Right. I think this very, like this conversation, I know it's a horrible thing to say, but like this conversation we're having, yeah. a podcast, an audio book, like it just feels kind of like empty to me. I, it's funny that way. you said that because I remember you said we were talking about the Sarah book and how we were excited about it. And you were like, yeah, this might be my last yeah, I kind I of, Yeah, how- and I kind of, or at least like, I, I don't think that I'm like interested in, in like the... I still, I'm still, I still right. I'm still going to do that, but I'm going to have to have something click in my brain before I can actually like do this, do this. I wonder what that is. And I think that it's like, I've got to the point where like, just to the, like, you know, the, I need to like the experiences that I have when I'm home, when I'm with Julia, like, you know, enjoying like Mountain Dew. Yeah. Like that's He's a holding big deal. Right it's now. like a big deal to me or a donut. Like actually, Having that, exp- and I know it sounds stupid, but like being able to like enjoy that experience and this other, all this book stuff feels like that other life when I didn't enjoy. And so you were kind of when using I didn't that enjoy as like, this, like that. latching onto that because yeah. you weren't enjoying life. Yeah, or- I don't think I was enjoying fucking life at mm. all. All right. I think I was just like this sort of kind of like robot uh, wanting to do things and wanting things, not need, because you're really, like, yeah, needing some sort of outlet that right. just it feels kind of. Uh, you know, pathetic. And, it's funny and by that else. logic. Then it's like now you're feeling good and enjoying Mountain Dew and everyday life, so you don't really need to write I know, anymore. I know. Kind of thing. Isn't, isn't it like that? I mean, I I have books that I could probably put together in the next year and like publish more. Right. Remember, somebody was we were just saying. Yeah, somebody I, have the, was like, I have my fights book, fights with an exclamation point, which is just like these. Well, you have all these fight stories with Julia, and then you have these nice stories with Julia and they fight mm-hmm. within the, within the book. There's like this metafictional conceit, uh, within the, within the book. Um, and then I have this, and so I've been working on an encyclopedia. Oh, a new encyclopedia? <laughs> encyclopedia full of all these like little anecdotes. That's badass. Uh, and, nice. and collect them. And uh, almost like an encyclopedia is autobiography, like of stories about who you are, but stories that have nothing to do with you. Uh, but anecdotes that are connected to who you are or right. what you think or the, or but the indirectly things, somehow. but indirectly sure. uh, and somehow. And, you know, I have I, I have a country, book of country music essays that I have, you know, you have, have like 10 of them done. And I don't, and so now it's kind of like figuring out what it is that I want to publish and what I don't want to publish. Mm-hmm. The best thing that ever happened to me is like I had 10 years where I just wrote stuff, you know, and nobody knew who I was. And um, I remember sending off Crapalacha uh, to Soft School Press. This would have been like 2006. 
And they wrote me back the most smart ass, motherfucking smarmy little fucking lit letter you've ever seen in your life. <laughs> and of course, they're run by different people now. Right. They're run by good people uh, now. Um, but yeah, at that, at that point, you know, when Crapalachia came out and it like kind of popped, it's like, well, you know what, motherfuckers? No, there, there you go. There, there you go. go. Um, and that's and that's not the person I want to be. <laughs> right, sure. if that makes sense. Like right. that's like who I was. Right. Uh, and uh, to like kind of like prove something or, or or whatever. So yeah, I'm just interested in the writing. I'm just interested. In, I'm more interested in reading. Like I think I realize at this point, Tom. Like, um, you know, like we need more readers who like actually read who stuff really reading, rather yeah. than like writers. And I like being part of that. That kind of anonymous, it's like, you know, the cathedral, like, architects of France, right? We don't know their fucking name. Right. And uh, there's something, like, kind of beautiful about that that I, that I love. All the great, all the great, you know, readers. There's a name, it's slipping my memory right now, of an uh, English guy, you know, from the 13th century or whatever. And, you know, who he is, he, he's the guy who copied down the Canterbury Tales. Like, you wouldn't have that book. If this guy hadn't copied it down, and uh, the, those those folks, those folks just feel more interesting to me right now. Well, that's funny because that kind of goes back to the, uh, you know, there are more and more books, you know, all the time, like so much shit being produced, but like who is yeah keeping up and reading? Yeah, all that, exactly. That beautiful classic exactly. stuff, you know. Some of the books I see, like even you know people publish, it's like I don't even think the writer read them. <laughs> yeah, they, they just they just feel kind of they just feel kind of uh, written or they feel just like something kind of oddball of just like producing something yeah uh, to produce right and we have a whole entire like indie like lit like lit blog type industry of you know like how to produce a novel in thirty days or mm -hmm. how to write sentences that will attract right. the right agent um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just like, where to send your short story this, this month. feels like madness to me right. it feels like incredible. An incredible madness mm -hmm. uh, that I want no part of whatsoever. You didn't really. I remember. I think you said this, or I just maybe noticed it that, like back in the day, um, you weren't you weren't trying to really submit or play the lit blog game or put your you stuff did. on. Never did. I've yeah. never submitted anywhere. Anna sent around a story of mine. This is the first time I've submitted it. Something for years. Sent a story of mine around to. Uh, Paris Review turned it down. This has been like a month ago. And then she yes. sent it to Virginia Quarterly Review and they turned it down. Maybe it's a bad story. I don't know. I mean, it's not, it's not like, you know, you know the type. Sure. There's Paris yeah, yeah, Review yeah. fiction and New Yorker fiction. And we all know what those things kind of mean. Um, Virginia Quarterly Review turned it down and she wrote me an email. She's like, damn. And I was like, she's like, do you want me to send it? Um, and then she said the name of the next place. I was like, nah, let's just stop that. <laughs> 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 Which I'm sure she's like, oh, cha-ching, right? This is the right type of personality I'm with here to make some money. Yeah, that's right. Nah, who cares? All right. And then he drove back to West Virginia with his dog, Jelly. Hopefully I see that guy again. Sound engineer Dave already misses him a lot. He keeps talking about it. Um, remember to look out for the Sarah book June 20th in print and audio. In the meantime, listen to an excerpt of Scott McClanahan reading from his new novel, The Sarah Book.
few weeks later, I burned this Bible. Looked over at my friend Chris and said, Hey man, we should burn a Bible. Of course, we've been fucking around like this for a while now. A month before, we were going through the Taco Bell drive through and our order total came up 666. So every time I went out with friends and wanted to freak them out and start talking about how I felt the devil was after me, I'd say, like seriously, I think the fucking devil is after me. Then I'd stop at Taco Bell and order my devil order, and it'd come up 666 just like always, and everyone would go, holy fuck, and lose their shit. Maybe this was a sign. Maybe Satan was trying to tell me something. So I started looking for a Bible to burn. Chris thought it wasn't a good idea and that Sarah was going to find out. I told him not to worry about Sarah. I was a grown-ass man, and if I wanted to burn a Bible, then Sarah couldn't tell me not to. I looked through the basement bookshelves and at all the Bibles we own. There were three of them. There was a Bible from the Gideons, and there was a Bible with a black cover that had been my childhood Bible. Then there was another Bible on the bottom shelf. This was the newest Bible. This was the Bible someone got us for our wedding. I reached down and pulled it off the shelf. It was one of those big plush white Bibles, and it had Sarah and Scott McClanahan on the corner in gold. It's the kind of Bible you see on people's coffee tables or at somebody's grandma's house. I don't think we should, Chris said, but I didn't listen to him. So I put the Bible on the table and opened it to the book of Daniel. He ordered the furnace heated seven times hotter than usual. I walked over to another part of the basement where Sarah kept her father's old tools. I looked around for a while, and then I finally found some old lighter fluid and matches. I took the lighter fluid and squirted, squirt, squirt on the Bible pages. Then I took a match, and it lit. Then I blew the match out. Oh, shit, let me do something. Turned off the lights. Chris repeated, we shouldn't be doing this. We shouldn't be doing this. But I just lit another match and let the match drop down on the Bible. And then there was a ripping sound, and the Bible blazed bright. My face glowed in light. I saw myself in the reflection from the window, and there was a halo around my head. Flames spread across the pages like ocean waves, and then burned from red to brown to black. I put out the bits of dark embers, and that was it. Nothing happened. It was the same as when I drank in the car and the devil didn't have anything to say. Then Chris and I laughed. Then we heard Sarah upstairs, and we panicked. I shut the Bible shut paper crinkled and wrinkled, and I slid the Bible on the bottom shelf and she came down the stairs. A month later, I'd already forgotten about it. I don't know why, but I'd just put the burned Bible back on the bottom shelf instead of throwing it away. Sarah and I were downstairs with one of Sarah's friends. I was working at my desk and Sarah was showing her friend the new floor we put down in the basement. Oh, it looks nice. Yeah, it really looks nice. They were saying this type of shit. So Sarah's friend looked at the shiny floor, and then she looked at all of my books on the shelves, and she said, So many books. Sarah shook her head and said, Yep, he likes books. Then Sarah's friend saw something on the bookshelves that interested her. I heard Sarah's friend say, Oh God, we used to have a Bible just like that when I was a kid. I used to love those big plush Bibles. I flipped around and watched the woman pull the burned Bible off the shelf and hold it. Sarah told the woman that she got the Bible a couple of years before as a wedding present. Then Sarah's friend opened up the Bible, and the burned pages crinkled and crackled and popped up into the air. Sarah's friend said, Oh, God. Sarah said, What the hell? I was caught. 
Sarah took the bobble from her friend and then Sarah was quiet. I didn't say anything. I tried to think up what I should say. When I was in the sixth grade, my friends and I stayed up late and drank a whole bottle of cheap wine my parents kept in the back of one of the cabinets. After we were done, instead of throwing the bottle away, I just put the empty bottle back in the cabinet. The next summer, my mother was cleaning and she came across the empty bottle I'd put back in the cabinet. She said, what happened to this bottle of wine, Scott? I said, it must have evaporated. She believed me. When Sarah asked if I knew what happened to the Bible, I didn't know what to do. I wondered if I should lie like I did when I was in the sixth grade and say I didn't know what she was talking about and give her a look like she was fucking weird. But I told her the truth. I told her Chris and I had burned the Bible. First, she just stood and looked at me like she was confused. Then she said really quiet, Why would you do that? Sarah's friend just stood and grinned a grin like she didn't know what to say. But then Sarah started screaming, Why would you do that? Why would you fucking do that? Then she started shouting, That's the Bible Mary Jo got me for a wedding gift. And then Sarah's friend said, I can't believe you would do that, Scott. And Sarah screamed some more at me, and then she stormed up the stairs. That night, Sarah was still pissed and shouting, Why would you do that? I tried to defend myself again. I told her it wasn't a big deal. It was funny. We didn't believe in any of this shit anyway, so what did it matter? I told her we were just bored. Then Sarah said it just creeped her out. She wondered if there were more things I wasn't telling her about. People I was talking to. Different life I was leading. She told me you don't mess around with shit like that even if you are joking. Then she told me she wanted it out of the house. She told me she didn't want the burn bob on the house another minute. So I told her I'd put it in the trash in the morning, but that wasn't good enough for her. She told me to get rid of it. I got up and went into the kitchen and got a garbage bag out. Then I swung the garbage bag open and it poofed out poof and full air. I went downstairs and put the bobble inside of it. Little specks of the burn bobble fell off slow like snowflakes falling. Then I pulled the garbage bag string and tied it tight. I put it out in the trash, I told her. That wasn't good enough. She told me she didn't want the garbage men to see it. I yelled and told her that it was pretty fucking ridiculous to care what the fucking garbage guys would say. But then I said, okay, okay. Put my clothes back on and picked up the keys, told her I'd get rid of it somehow. Left the house in darkness and searched for a place to toss the Bible. Looked at the full moon and drove down the road. Drove to the gas station and got out to throw it away. There was a guy with his back to me pumping gas in the stalls beside mine. Tried to push the big Bible in the trash can beside the gas pumps. The trash can was stuffed full of trash and so the big bobble wouldn't fit. I tried to put the big bobble in sideways, but it still wouldn't fit. The guy who was pumping gas beside me still had his back turned towards me and didn't seem to notice. I heard laughing, and it was the man beside me pumping his gas. He turned towards me and I saw his face and I saw his skin. He looked burned. The face was thick with scar tissue and the mouth looked melted and sculpted into a look of pain. So I just dropped the burn bobble down on the ground and the burn man just looked at me. So I fled. I got in my car and I fled so fast away. I looked up at the full moon and I watched clouds slipping over and above it and blow it all like knobs. I saw the clouds make ghost shapes in the sky and I saw how silly it all was. And nothing happened. It was done and I wasn't at a crossroads surrounded by an army of angels from hell. And I didn't see the future. 
I didn't see how my life was going to fall apart and how soon I'd be sick with swan flu. I didn't see how Chris's uncle would commit suicide two months after that, and I didn't see how Chris would get divorced within the year. I didn't see how my daughter would be born so sick and small, and I didn't see how Sarah would say soon that it was over, and there wasn't the sound of ghosts haunting me. There wasn't anyone showing me the future of my life and how everything I knew and loved would soon disappear. And there wasn't anyone there with a pitchfork, and there wasn't the smell of sulfur. There wasn't the promise of a future apocalypse, and the sound of things screaming, or the weeping or gnashing of teeth. There wasn't a crossroads, and there were no souls to sell, and there wasn't any such thing as Satan. There was only me. All hell. Okay, there you go. That was uh, me and Dave and Scott McClanahan um, well over a year ago after we recorded the Sarah book um, from Tyrant Books, first episode of the podcast. Don't forget that uh, Talking Book is a 501c3 nonprofit. If you like what we're doing, you like the books we record, you like the silly podcast, you like the lip blog where we try to uh, release excerpts from new books from, uh, you know, books from independent houses, hit us up on the patreon.com slash talking book. We'll send you stuff. Go on there and see what we'll send you. Art, sweatshirts, audiobooks, whatever you want. You want anything, I'll go to the store and get it for you. I'll send it to you. But um, yeah, I'm going to try to talk to uh, Mark Leidner first. Next, talk to him next, author of Under the Sea, um, narrated by Luna Cross. Just released that. Also from Tyrant Books. Got some cool stuff coming out from Coffeehouse Press, New Directions, Soft Skull. Um, a lot of good stuff. Go to thetalkingbook.org. Check it out. My name is Chris Hartram, and uh, thanks for listening to this classic episode. Love ya. You're classic too. We're all classic. Like a bishop who has forsaken sympathy, chasing sister squares. I was lit before I knew that you were there Like an angel who has forsaken certainty Sleeping in the square I was lit before I knew the storm was passing over and the wind was.